welcome to a special bonus episode of the Thrillers by the Book Club podcast. We are chatting today about the September House by Carissa Orlando. Um, so just as a reminder, with these author chats uh, that are bonus episodes, they are, will have spoilers. So if you haven't yet checked out the September House, I highly encourage you to um, pause and then come back. But for those of us that are in the room, we have read it, so we're getting ready to talk about it. So thank you so much to Carissa Orlando, who is here with us today, the author of September House. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Carissa has a doctorate in clinical community psychology and specializes in work with children and adolescents. In her day job, Carissa works to improve the quality of and access to mental health care for children and their families. Prior to her career in psychology, she studied creative writing in college and has written creatively in some form since she was a child. It was really only a matter of time before Carissa, an avid horror fan for much of her life, merged her understanding of the human psyche and deep love for storytelling into a piece of fiction. And I really think that that came through loud and clear in the September house. So welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, we are very excited. Uh, we we're kind of chatting a little bit before um, we started the recording, but the Thrillers by the Book Club Seattle chapter, thank you for hosting. Um, and you, we they actually did the book club meeting at a pumpkin patch. So it was very on brand for, for Halloween. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Um, yeah. Okay, well, will just jump into some questions then. So Carissa, what inspired you to write this story? Yeah. The inspiration for it was actually, I describe it as, is fairly simple. Um, it kind of spawned out of a singular idea I had one day while I was, I think, getting ready for work and rushing, um, of, you know, I, I'm a big haunted house movie fan or just a horror movie fan. And the tropes of that particular subgenre are incredibly recognizable of like family moves into the house. It's a great deal. Um, there's creepy things start happening. They start happening more. Family finds out a little bit more about what's going on. Things escalate. The family flees with or without their lives. Um, yeah. And so I had the thought of what if someone lived in a haunted house but was just totally fine with it? Like they're going about their day. They're making coffee. They're doing their stuff. Then like the walls are bleeding. They're dodging ghosts and they're just it's just a regular day for them. And that idea just absolutely uh, tickled me to death and kind of lodged itself in my brain. And eventually uh, kind of my character, Margaret came along and it just became its own thing after that. I mean, it's a, it's such a fun story. I will say that as I was reading it, um, it reminded me like the early part of the book reminded me a lot of ghosts the tv show on cbs it's like oh. a comedy ghost show so um and the, they like one of the the residents can see them all and they all have different stories and stuff and i was like oh my gosh this is just like an unhinged version of that <laughs> like way darker and amazing it was it's so fantastic um i know I the show really you're talking about but i have not seen it but i want to see it so that oh. this is just making me want to see yeah. it even more I think you're going to see it and then you'll be like, oh, nope, totally. Yep. <laughs> but it's amazing that uh, that you like still had that creativity um, of what that would be like. And Margaret's voice is so unique. It's like a little unhinged. She's a little bit sassy. She's a little bit comedic. Um, so tell us about how she came to be. Like, how did Margaret come to fruition? 
I honestly, that that's so hard for me to even say because I feel like she came to me somewhat as is. I think I think kind of her her one change was like when I started writing, she was a little bit more gloomy, and then that went away quickly because I think that the person who can survive one through the things that Margaret's been through, but two through the house in general, you have to be there, like there has to be kind of like a. I don't know if strength is the is the right word, but like a fortitude of character. And also you kind of have to appreciate just the dark humor of it. Like you kind of have to laugh a little bit at, at what's going on and your priorities. I mean, Marcus priorities are a little funky sometimes. Yeah. And <laughs> you kind of have to have maybe a different understanding of what's important versus what's not important. Um, like, the blood dripping down the walls is probably the more important thing. The fact that your carpet is getting ruined is the less important thing. But Margaret's much more worried about the carpet than the blood. Yeah. In her perfect house, her dream house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I really love, too, that there was the, the, um, the, like, how obsessed she is with the house. But then as the story unfolded, we got to see more and more background from her and kind of see all the things that she went through um and then even the not even being able to pay attention to I guess the own things in her house where when her daughter gets there Catherine gets there and starts opening up the cabinets and finding all of the Jack Daniels bottles and things like Mm -hmm. that it was just really interesting reading like being inside Margaret's head versus like watching it from the outside as a like third person but in a first person view of what she's really thinking and what she was like focusing on it was really mm-hmm. fascinating thanks yeah. is that the I, do you prefer to write in first in general or it it weirdly depends on the project and how I think it will best be told um if I but even if I do third person it's usually just a singular point of view at the same time I don't necessarily do omniscient yet um, but it just kind of depends on, do I really want us locked into one character's point of view and that's the way of going about it? Or do I want it to feel a, a little bit of distance and a little bit more room for objectivity there? And I think that this story, it it just kind of needs to be first person. You know, we're in Margaret's mind and Margaret's mind doesn't always interpret reality accurately. And so it's kind yeah. of up to the readers to slowly discover that. Um, yeah, it was really interesting. So when they went into um, after Catherine got there and it was a little bit more of like, oh, maybe like you have some mental illness, maybe you have some dementia, things like that. Um, and I I was as I was reading through it and we got to the part where like after the end, she kind of explains like to the police and everything like this is what happened to my haunted house. And then, you know, all the attacks happened with Master Vale. My initial thought was like, wait, is she making this up again? Is she literally having a break while she is? like standing here with all of these people. So I think you did an amazing job of being able to ride the line. And as a reader, really take me on a journey of like, is this like, is this real or is this not real? What is going on? (laughs) Oh, thank you. And I appreciate that because I feel like that is like, we're used to that trope of like, we think something sinister is going on. Oh, just kidding. The protagonist is mentally ill. Um, And that's often the expected turn. And it really, you know, I was playing into that and playing into those expectations. And there comes a point when it's like, I think everyone was like, yeah, this is this person is mentally ill. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
and this is kind of where I get into like, I, I am in mental health and yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the mental illness as villain trope. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to have a book out there where it's like, nope, that's not what's going on. It's actually supernatural stuff. Yeah. I, I loved that. Like the subversion of expectations. Shannon, you had a question. I was just going to say what you guys are discussing reminded me of like a segment of like a Goodreads review I had seen of the book when after I finished and it was like, it's a haunted house book disguised as a like psychological thriller disguised as a uh, haunted house book or something like that. Like <laughs> yeah. three different like stages you go through and like you're saying. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I a nesting doll of, <laughs> of haunted house um, books. You know, I told I agree with that. I thought that was really amazing. Um, one of the things that you that was written into our Margaret acknowledges early on, and I think as a horror fan, um, I'm starting to like get into horror. I'm dabbling in it. Um, but my my podcast co-host Chelsea is a big fan of it. We talk about this a lot, and that um, really horror is really about something else. It's not really about the horror. It's about something else, something deeper. And I love that you that Margaret actually acknowledges that in in the book, um, because for people like me who like I'm reading it at typically I read things at surface level, right? Like. Uh, you know, I like a good popcorn. So when there's something that's a little bit deeper, unless someone points it out to me, I most of the time I don't get it. So I love that this was like very clearly, and I was like, okay, I'm paying attention to what else is going on. <laughs> um, but what do you hope that your readers find in the story? Yeah. Oh, it's going to be fun to answer this question without giving spoilers because I get asked this question, but then I can't give spoilers. And I'm like, but you can now. Yeah. I hope that the myths about things. Are kind of like this like, please understand what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, well, I mean, there's probably a couple different things that that I get out of it, but I think that I beyond just kind of the the silliness of the gimmick, as soon as it became clear that like intimate partner violence was going to be a big part of this and that Margaret's relationship with the house was largely going to and not even be a metaphor, but mirror that experience that she had. Very mimicking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. It was important to me that I treat that well, um, because that's another trope that is in media as well as just pervasive culture. Is that the the way to get out of intimate partner violence is to just leave, like just leave. And that is a gross oversimplification and it is a dangerous oversimplification as well. There are many compelling reasons why people do not or cannot um, get out of those relationships. And so um, my, my least favorite question that luckily I actually haven't been asked a lot on forums like this, but like I would get it a little bit at the beginning is like, well, why didn't Margaret leave? And it's like, what, like, why didn't she leave the house? Um, and to me, that question was always a little irksome because it's like, uh, you're asking why she didn't leave her, like, abusive partner. And that <laughs> that's, that's what we're getting yeah. into. And so uh, that's just something that I hope people leave with is this understanding of, like, the the answer to the why is a lot more complicated than you would think. And the solution is not just a stand up for yourself, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, like be assertive or Mm -hmm. whatever. Like that's also a very dangerous um, solution. 
and not the accurate solution, there are different solutions. And truly what I was like, like we have a scene where Margaret attempts to stand up for herself, kind of to both stand up for herself to both mm-hmm. Master Vale and Hal. And it goes disastrously when she kind of does it in isolation. It's when she does it with a community um, and with support that she is ultimately successful. And that's the big message that I wanted to communicate through that. It's that community. It's really about more than just one person mm-hmm. taking on the responsibility. It's a community thing. I think she was very, I really appreciate that. Cause I definitely saw like the mirroring with the, with the um, intimate violence, but l- going through her head and experiencing the justifications of like, okay, well, I just got to do a rule. I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm just not going to do mm-hmm. that. I'm going to work around it. And it was such an interesting insight into that psyche because I do think you're right. Like so many people have, um, like the snap judgment of like, oh, we should just leave. Well, you know, Uh there's, you become, I think that humans can become used to things too. And you, you find ways to make things okay, even when it's not okay. And I think just being in her head and and experiencing that in a way that wasn't like specifically about the intimate violence, it was more about the house and her justifications in the house, but you could see like kind of how it mirrored. I thought it was brilliantly done. Really, really well done. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate that. I mean, honestly, it was, uh, I I think that even without calling it out, I probably would have like been able to pick it up. So I think that that means that's a good thing. Um, and then on another side, one of the things was I'm an aspiring author myself. One of the things I noticed is that you weaved in these powerful flashback scenes seamlessly into the narrative. And like, is there a trick? Like, how did you do that so well? Because they'd be having a present day conversation and then it would be in in the past and then in the present. And it just felt it was so seamless. What was like, how, how, what did you, how'd you learn to do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just, I wish I, I know I'm not very good with like the, the explaining the writing mechanics. It kind of just happens. I, I, oh, I hate to just say like catching a vibe for it, but I'm very, I I try and be mindful of like how long a single thing is happening in a scene, like a single conversation, a single description. And I think that's, as a reader, I get, I get super bored, um, especially if it's one character just thinking, if it's just one character thinking for like a, a couple pages, I'm very done with that. And so if I am trying to kind of move plot forward and the best way to do that is through a character kind of reflecting, I know I'm interspersing that with something else and that something else is either going to be a present day conversation or it could be a past conversation and the character is kind of reflecting on it. Um, And so that's one time that I do that. And so it's just a way of breaking up um, either the action or the non-action if it's just truly kind of a boring scene or if there's something about a flashback that largely informs what's happening in the present. So like, I, I think one of the most in the moment version iterations of that is like um, Margaret and Catherine are having a, a conversation kind of out by Catherine's car, looking at Hal's things. And Catherine is asking yet again, why didn't you leave him? Um, and mm-hmm. we are, I do a lot of intentional, like, thing that's happening with the house thing that happened with Hal in the past mirroring. And this is one where I think it comes the closest to like literally the same thing happening of Catherine asked these questions back, back in the day. 
everything is cyclical, mm-hmm. everything kind of repeats. And then this is what's happening again. And so there, there was that mirroring of like, Catherine saying this today, this is what it played out as back then. And then it's just in terms of me just being intentional of helping the reader understand like present day, past day, present day, past day, which and that's yeah. the tricky part is like, no, this is happening now. That's happening then. And that's yeah, I mean, it is, it's definitely like. tricky to pull off, but it was, it's like flawless. It's, it's so well done. Um, and how did, what did, where did like Catherine come from? Did you always know that Margaret was going to have a, a daughter or, um, were there other siblings that were mm-hmm. considered or she was always going to be an only child? Uh, she was always going to be an only child. Um, just in terms of like the mechanics of the story is beyond the initial gimmick of like person lives in haunted house and everything's fine. Ha ha. That's really hard to carry a plot forward for a hundred K words. No, something has to happen. Um, and kind of the, something that makes sense to happen is like someone disrupting the status quo, basically it's like, oh, you know, things have to have to start changing or, or jarring. And so, um, kind of the, the Catherine or the child arriving of it, evoking this kind of protective response because Margaret clearly doesn't care about her own well-being in this house, but the thing that she cares about most in the world is Catherine. Um, and so that's the thing that'll really, that's the only thing that will make her break her rules basically is Catherine's presence and Catherine's safety or lack thereof. And so um, it just pragmatically, yeah, you just need one kid for that. <laughs> um, <so laughs> I just had one. Um, it, it could also be um, I am an only child, so it could oh, be so, yeah. used to being the only person there. Yeah. Um, I weirdly didn't get like the implications that my own family might pull from this story until after. Okay. And like my dad was texting me like, "Reading your book, I really don't like Catherine." And I'm like, "Oh, hmm." You're right. He might look into a character who her one thing is she's really pissed at her dad. He might not care yeah. for that. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Ooh, how that comes out on too. Well. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I thought Hal was an interesting character because he's not really, he's not on page necessarily. Like very, it feels like he's very just ancillary, but it's such a huge part of it. Um, and did you spend a lot of time like building his backstory as a character or was it kind of like, I feel like you feeling your way through where he makes a lot of sense to be in that the space for doing what he's doing. He is probably the character that was the most neglected. And I probably had to do some going back and, and filling in some of his character. And I think it's best represented by the fact. Um, so if I can't come up with a character's name immediately, I just put a filler. And then like, yeah. as I think about it more, um, Hal made it through the entire first draft of the book unnamed. He was just husband <laughs> in all caps. And it took me Not forever important. to find his stupid name. Yeah, he, I went through a bunch of different iterations. Um, it was going to be Martin for a little while, which is why his middle name is Martin. Like, finally, I have a stupid name for this godforsaken character. It's going to be Margaret and Martin. No, <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> So I was so pissed that like, I finally found a name. But he, and I think maybe that was just me really being on Margaret's side and being on Catherine's yeah. side. And, you know, Margaret doesn't view Hal's the the asshole, although Catherine definitely does. Um, but I could on Margaret's behalf. And so I'm just like, yeah, just, just abusive husband. He's dead in the basement. It's whatever. 
And so like after other people read it, they're like, hey, we don't know very much about how. I'm like, yeah, why do you want to? So no, no, I mean, I I it like, I'm cool with not knowing anymore. Just really interesting. I'm just thinking from a um, craft perspective, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you spend time with your characters really kind of building their like understanding their backstory and how they got to be where they are. Um, so switching gears a little bit, have you had a ghost encounter? I have not. I'm going to knock on wood with that. I feel like I was literally just talking about this. Like if I get asked if I believe in ghosts, I feel that saying no will make the ghost decide make shot, that they yeah. want to prove me wrong. So yeah, I have not. I am very yeah. happy with that ghost. It <laughs> may or may not exist. Um, but I also, I also say um, I have a cat. So there's a chance I could oh, have had a ghost yeah. cabinet and I just blamed it on the cat. Like multiple times I wake up and every cabinet in the kitchen is open. And I'm just like, ash. So maybe yeah, I it's the cat. Yeah, it's only the cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's fantastic. So I can see um a little bit in your background, you've got some movie posters up there. Uh some yeah. like hell or scary horror movies. Are those like some of your favorites? Like one of them's like the Overlook Hotel or mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I I enjoy the shining. It's weirdly, it has a very comfort movie vibe to me. I think because like enclosed in hotel, snowing. Yes, murders are happening, but that's very cozy. Um, <laughs> and then we've got a uh, Camp Crystal Lake back here, which is oh very nice. My, my Jason ah. shirt right there. <laughs> Those movies are bonkers, but they are just genuinely good times. And then we've got you can't see it because of the light, but this is a my Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, was nice. Rocky cast in Charlotte, North Carolina. Go that type um, for a couple <laughs> of years. So very near and dear to my heart. Oh, that's fantastic. So, uh, like, r- you come by writing horror naturally, right? Because you've got all of these other things. Um, have you ever written anything else before in this genre that you've been, even if you just played with for yourself? Um, I've been, like, writing, like, dumb little things ever since I was a kid. Like, I wrote a lot of weird stories, like, when I was a teenager. And then, like, when I was in college, I started a lot of things. And I had, like, short stories that, like, a couple or one of which and like some poetry was published in like sad little college literary magazines. Um, but this was, I think the first thing I've finished, it actually was, it was the first thing I'd finished, like start like top to bottom since I was a teenager and I was writing my, my dumb little stories. Um, That's fun. Yeah. I do a That's lot. So I'm in, I'm in psychology. So there is writing. It's just not necessarily creative, but there's a like, note writing, report writing, um, scientific writing, um, creative writing is much more fun than any. Yeah. <laughs> and for no other reason, you get to make shit up. And um, exactly. you're really not allowed to make shit up when you do research. It's it's one of the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that but you follow the rules, right? I follow the rules very strictly. Um so we were talking about movies a second ago, but so it felt to me that the the book was very cinematic. Like I could picture like the vomiting with the flies and the um, the bodies crumpling into themselves and all all those kinds of things. Um, do we do we hear maybe maybe some optioning in the future to maybe uh, see this on screen from, from your lips to 
I mean, I know that there is like, I, I have someone in charge of looking for that sort of thing. I have yeah. no idea what's happening and just kind of pretend that I, that it's not happening. So I'm not anxious. That's about fair. It, it would totally be lovely, fair. but that is the extent to which that is not up to me. Oh, yeah. I, I, mean, cannot, I cannot understate that. I didn't say like, I think you did an amazing job of like bringing it to life that I could easily see this like on screen. Oh, so I can. Uh, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shannon Creed. I was um, just speaking of horror films and I don't actually read or watch a lot of horrors. I usually do more like the other types of thrillers, but um, I thought it was interesting. The reference to like the exorcist that, <laughs> Uh, they went on their first date too and kind of like some of the parallels between that and I don't actually know if I've seen The Exorcist but of course I've heard of it and um I don't know I thought that was an interesting element and a cool touch oh man you've got to watch it now Shannon (laughs) did you is it is a good time um yeah it's definitely it's an intense (laughs) movie um so I, I really liked, speaking of that, because it reminds me of the uh, Cyrus, is that his name? Yeah, no? Father Cyrus. Cyrus. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and his character, so there was there was a lot of play around, like, dementia in within this. And so where kind of did the inspiration from that come from, from personal experience or from, like, okay, this is maybe someone thinks that they're they're you know their parents kind of losing their mind and then ha- seeing the fa- like father Cyrus actually seemingly to have mm-hmm. experienced that the dementia actually probably did come from my own kind of life so my my grandmother passed away as a result of alzheimer's and so i kind of saw that growing up and that had that had worked its way into like one of the things that was going to be like a fake out explanation was like early onset Alzheimer's. And we had that in Father Cyrus as well. And that also shows up in um, one of the cops at the end references the stacking things. Um, oh, yes. And yes. says like my my mom did that when she was dying. And that actually is literally something my grandmother would do. Um I, I don't know if that's like a common trait related to like dementia or Alzheimer's, but she would literally stack um, toilet paper. There'd be little mm-hmm. stacks of toilet paper, just very tower-like <laughs> throughout my grandparents' house. And that kind of stuck with me. It's like, oh, that's a symptom. And so like yeah. Frederica stacking things kind of came straight from that because I knew that that was going to be associated with with a symptom of um, uh Alzheimer's later on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought, um, so my mom has Alzheimer's, early onset Alzheimer's, which is why I'm here right now. Um, but I thought that it was handled very well. Like the testing was like, oh, cause that's, that's how it goes. Like the three mm-hmm. words and the, all mm-hmm. of the things. Um, so I was, I figured either you'd done research or you'd had some sort of experience. Cause and I thought that was handled mm-hmm. pretty well. Um, and then even with father Cyrus's, um, uh, his experiences with it and I'm assuming that's what he he had did have dementia or mm-hmm. yeah okay, okay. I, well it's I, it's okay that that's left it's a little like bit ambiguous yeah. yeah like it could I it, it could be that the house kind of got it but yeah it, it could also be that that was a genuine thing but he was definitely firing on all cylinders when he walked into that house and then he left and was with not. some other stuff going on so that I'm um, yeah. that's kind of open to reader interpretation but I I'm happy that 
that that felt like it was done well. And I'm also very sorry to hear about your mom. That genuinely okay. sucks. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, yeah. So moving on from the sadness, uh, can you tell me a little bit about your writing process? Like, so are you, I, I mean, I hate the pantser plotter thing, but like, do you plan ahead or are you gardening as you go? <laughs> and it's a mixture of both. Um, I, I guess it's like planter is like the, yeah. the thing where I do a, I do a, a, a rough outline, um, that I kind of call my murder board of just like, Bleh, this is all the things that are going to happen. Um, and I won't allow myself to start a project until I have a beginning and an end and a general idea of how I'm going to get there. Um, and I try and have like little like plot point breakdown of like this thing needs to happen and this will happen and this will happen. Um, but I do give myself permission to, see where it goes because there, I mean, the, like this has happened in September house and it's happened in other things that I've done where something that I'm just like writing down almost like without thinking of just like, Oh, I just need something to happen in this paragraph or did like this character just needs this detail. And that detail turns into like a notable plot point or something yeah. like that. <laughs> or like a character shows up and they kind of work their way in. And it's like, you're supposed to be a character in one scene that doesn't have a name because you're going to go away soon. And they're like, actually, this is my name and you got my personality wrong. And I would like many things to do, please. I'm like, yes. okay, let's find some things for you to do, girl. So and that's like genuinely magical to me. I love when that happens. So I like creating like the freedom to, to do that. Um, yeah. No, I love that. Was Frederica like that? Was she? No. Or was she like pretty well? Frederica, I think she was pretty well established. I have this weird like retroactive thing where it's hard for me to look back and be like, what was the character like when they started? Because oh, it yeah. almost feels very like shining of like, they've always been this way. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard to yeah. remember. Um, but Frederica, I know Elias was always going to be there and he was always going to be exactly how he was going to be. Um, He's terrifying. <laughs> I love Elias. He is equal <laughs> helpful and unhelpful in strong intensity. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I honestly, I cannot remember. I know she was kind of going to be there. She might not have had as big of a role. I think she was just going to be messing with stuff. But I like how she turned into because she's a source of strength and support for Margaret. And she is also unintentionally hilarious. Um, oh, my gosh. And I yeah. genuinely appreciate that about her. It was so fun just coming up with all the ways she was going to make Margaret's life so much worse while trying to be helpful. It was it was so amazing. I was She's my like after Margaret. She was my favorite character. I loved seeing like she's putting the knives in the sink and like putting dirt underneath the like cabinets and just mm -hmm. all of the weird things, but all in a tent of like, I'm going to help. Um, mm -hmm. She just was a, such a unique character. I almost feel like I could just spend a book with Freshman Frederica. <laughs> <laughs> I like her too. She's my mom also really likes Frederica. Yeah. And she's like, and she's like, what, what happens to Frederica? Like, what happens when it's over? It's like, what do you want to happen to her? It's okay. <laughs> You're like, it's, that's what you get to choose. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Um, so what are you working on right now? I am working on what will God willing and the Creek don't rise, hopefully be the next book. I've got 
I'm going to pull it down. This is, I was talking about writing process. This is my sticker chart. Um, oh, yay. See now if I've written each day and I've got a NaNoWriMo specifically what I was going to ask you so. to do a NaNoWriMo. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's an easy way to just get those words in, dude. And yep. the stakes are a little higher this year because I actually got a product that I need to produce. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we're working on book two. I don't want to talk too much about it because it's yeah, literally yeah. like we're halfway through the first draft. Um, totally. But I think it'll reader. I think readers of Central Pass will enjoy it. There will definitely be supernatural elements. Um, there will be mental health stuff that I, I mean, it's important to me that I handle mental health stuff well. Yeah. Um, and so I'm hoping to continue to handle it well there. There will be like little blips of dark humor. So there should be some fun stuff. I love that. That's fantastic. Um, Oh, so let's see if there's some more questions. Towards the end, um, there was a passage. The pranksters ambled farther and farther away from the house. I wasn't sure exactly what exactly pranksters did once the joke was over, but they seemed to be filling in their time nicely. On this, can you explain how you came up with the term pranks? I was going to ask about that, too. I have a note here. Uh, the term pranksters to describe the ghosts and how you played into that story and message. Yeah. I mean, and like truly from like a functional perspective, I was, I knew I wasn't going to call them ghosts. I think that the mm -hmm. word ghost is used like once in the entire novel. And I think it's in reference to Hal, ironically. Um, but to me, that was, that was also Margaret, not, not understanding the gravity of the situation. Fully acknowledging and, what is going on. They're yeah. not playing jokes. This is crazy. Yeah. And like, <laughs> like, possibly intentionally question mark like there's a chance that this right. is a defense mechanism she's like these aren't ghosts they're just little pranksters yeah and so <laughs> I think I landed on that word really early on um god and yeah I, I think that was I think I knew pretty early on that that's what she was going to be calling them um and I think that that truly is just that embodies the attitudes that she has towards them and it's such a like it 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 just really diminishes the actual stuff that's going on in her house and intentionally. Yeah, so. It does. I, I like, I really thought it was a really interesting, cause I kind of, I was thinking the same thing of where she's just not acknowledging. She's just like, Oh, they're just playing joke. They're just joker jokers or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> there's like split heads and like biting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but... One of them's definitely trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah. What is happening? <laughs> Um, so another question is that do you have any interest in writing outside of the horror psychological th thriller genre? Not yet, but I never want to say never. Um, I'm a, I'm a big horror person. I love it. Um, I, I, I joke, but it's actually true that if like my husband can get me to watch a movie that's not horror, he's thrilled. Um, it's pretty much all I'm reading now because <laughs> I'm, um, in it. Um, so it, it seems like it's going to be all horror all the time for the foreseeable future, but I never want to say never because it's hard to predict what know. your brain's going to want to do. Yeah. It's my first interest, I'll write it. But now yeah. it's like, I get so bored. I'm just, if I'm reading something normal, I'm like, where are the ghosts? Like what, are there no murders in this book? Like what's going See, on? This is, I have the exact same thing. I'm like, where are the murders? I've, yeah. If there's not murders, I kind of, this is why I love the thrillers. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, you had a question? Yeah. Um, first of all, I just wanted to say I really love this book. I just bought a house across the street from a cemetery and literally oh, moved yeah. in on October the 13th, two weeks ago. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. So I, like, I have been like, will I get my own Frederica? I hope so. Um, 
Something I thought was really interesting when I was reading this book was how scared I felt reading it kind of mirrored how, how scared Margaret felt in different situations. So like when like flies are pouring out of Father Cyrus's mouth, she's freaking out. But most of the time she's kind of like, yeah, the walls bleed and like Elias is here and like life is here, but like just don't light a fire and it's chill, like everything's fine, you know? And I was curious if that was kind of like an intentional like when you were writing this, did you did you think about that at all? Like kind of how like the humor would kind of temper and then make the ending extra scary, which I definitely stayed up until like three in the morning finishing it because I got to the oh, that you. final battle and was like, oh my gosh, it's going down, you know. Um, yeah, I was I was kind of curious about like how you kind of worked in the how you balanced the humor parts and this and this horror parts. Yeah, and I think there's, I, I definitely was trying to be clear about like, what parts of this do I want to hit hard? Like what parts of these are genuinely intentionally supposed to be scary and what parts of them are, we have something horrific happening, but like the the reaction of going for is not fear. Um, and then I had to kind of be mindful of how Margaret was reacting and, and also using humor because it, it serves as almost like a, you know, if you're on a plane and the flight attendants are panicking, you need to panic as well. Or or in the South, if there's a storm and the Waffle House is closed, then you know it's going to be a bad <laughs> one. Um, so so that's kind of how how that worked. And so it, I, I yeah, I really just had to ask myself, like, how do I want readers to feel about this? And then that would be mimicked through Margaret. But then I also needed to be sure and go back and be sure that I wasn't kicking myself in the foot inadvertently because Margaret does do a lot of dark humor. Um, and I can never, it's hard for me to resist incorporating that in or like juxtaposing horrors with a dry comet and like lifting the humor or the levity from any situation where it was like, no, you're genuinely supposed to be freaked out by this. Like this is supposed to affect the reader. Um, yeah, I think it was really effective. I think it was like definitely a roller coaster and I thought it was like really well done. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. It's true. Like it's, it's hard for me to scare. And I think that it's like for, for me pos uh, personally, and I think some other writers kind of feel the same it's hard for writers to scare themselves. Um, and I think part of that is because I know what's going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, Oh, I know. Yeah. I know how this scene is going to end. So the most I can do is like reading, rereading something I wrote and being like, I feel this is might maybe creepy. So maybe this might scare someone else, but I don't know. And so it, it truly touches me if someone feels like any degree of fear or anxiety reading this. Cause I'm like, I did the thing. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that you, I mean it really was very well done. Um, I listened to it on audio, and your audiobook narrator was fantastic. She is amazing. Like, she brought Margaret to life. Like, oh, so good. She's so good. Kimberly Farr is the the narrator on the audio book. Um, it's kind of cool. So they, I didn't have like a hundred percent say, but they basically sent me like, we're considering these people listen to some of their stuff and like, tell us what you think. Um, and I mean, they were all great, but it's like, it's weird because it's first person. You're like, this person is Margaret. Like it's not right. just someone telling Margaret's story. It's like, this is literally Margaret. So I'd be like, I've never thought about what Margaret sounds like. And so it was so mm -hmm. strange. Um, and Kimberly Farr was the one I listened to like 
so many samples of hers. And every time I'm just like, she's crushing this. Like she <laughs> just, I think with like everything she, every pro- kind of project she gets, I'm just like, she understands the assignment. And I think it happened here as well. So, so happy. Can't, can't oh, yeah. say enough good things about her. She really did. I mean, she definitely, like I said, really brought Margaret to life. And um, I think in a way that was like, it w- I was just so engaged. I was just like, oh my God, I just like, I could listen to her talk all day. It was fantastic. She's so um, great. So great. I also wanted to touch on Edie as a character. Mm-hmm. I loved Edie. Oh, and I, I, I was like, is she, is she a ghost? <laughs> she's a ghost and then it was like all coming out and then she was and I was like okay okay <laughs> but I like such a great character to have as like a buddy because it felt like it put more validity into what Margaret was experiencing so as the reader again it was like is this real or is this not real is she actually experiencing this or is she not experiencing it um and so like can you tell us a little bit about did you tell us a little bit about, about Edie and like where she came from, like what your thoughts were with her? Um, I also really like Edie. She's such a, she's such a sweetheart. Um, God, I'm trying to remember where she came from. I think, I think I did always know that Margaret would need like a friend. And I did, yeah. I believe always know that that friend was also going to be a ghost. Cause that was gonna, that was like a little bit of a fake out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know. We have a Shannon was saying she didn't realize it that she was a ghost at first. Either. So I think that most people like can go either way, right? It's so it funny really that like the people that that clock it or don't because some people are genuinely blindsided. But mm-hmm. and I think this is that this has since been softened in the prologue. But one of my agents there was like a single sentence in the prologue that was like there are no other houses for miles away, and she's like, yeah, she's like, I clocked that he was a ghost because there's no other houses. There was that single sentence. I'm like, wow, you're <laughs> a really good reader <laughs> that's very detailed that's why she does what she does right yeah very detailed. <laughs> um and I think I think we ended up softening that sentence because it could possibly give it away but honestly it's like I think like I both emphasize like the house is really isolated also she has a neighbor that walks over and it's like these two things yeah. can't coexist so if people yeah talk I think it was also, the neighbor like walking over up the driveway and I was like wait what <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I mean it was, it was so good um so you said you like to read a lot of horror what are you reading now I literally just finished uh Rachel Harrison's book Black Sheep um oh yeah I actually yeah. finished it on Halloween which was very cool um I was Lauren's very smiley sorry <laughs> yeah it's a great book I like marathoned through that book um like from the first sentence until the end, I was like, yes, <laughs> this is my kind of book and I'm super into it. Um, highly recommend. I I honestly think that if, if if folks haven't read it and they like the September house, they will like Black Sheep because it's a it's a phenomenal oh, book. Fun. So like I literally just finished that two days ago. Um, and so I now <laughs> I need to fill in the void of something. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things when you finish a book that you really, really like, that next book is tough. Cause you're like, I just want to read that book again, but for the first yeah. time and then you pick up another book and you're like, it's not <laughs> the same book. And yeah, you get so. like a little bit of a book hangover yeah. and it's just like, I can't, I can't move on yet. I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally understand that. <laughs> um, yeah. Any other questions from the, from the group? 
We really, really appreciate um, being able to do this. Oh, Lauren just added black sheep to her holds. So yeah, yeah I've been hearing yeah. that that was pretty amazing. Um, so if people want to find out like what you've got going on next, whatever is coming up, where can they find you? Is that, um, your website the best place to go? Or uh, I am very unfindable. Um, which maybe is not gonna lie to you you are unfindable <laughs> I am unfindable intentionally so please don't find me I don't okay, like do not find, find me. make me uncomfortable um <laughs> I, I need to do something I need to funnel into a direction <laughs> because what's happening is it's popping up in places I'm like how did you find me here um oh yeah yeah very honored and it's wonderful but I'm also like you had to look <laughs> I don't like that so um, I'm very unfindable, but if you, I mean, uh, you, Berkeley, my publisher, that's, that's how you'll find information on the new book. Maybe I'll get my stuff together and I'll get like a website or something like that, but I don't know. I'm, I, I currently enjoy being unfindable. It's, it's my favorite thing. I about think myself. so nice. It's so nice. Cause then you don't have to like feel there's no pressure about, you know, posting or talking or whatever. I think that's fantastic. Um, well, since I know that you don't, since you're not on Instagram, I will tell you, um, it's, your book is very popular there. The September house is very popular in September and October, particularly last two months. I was seeing it constantly, um, rave reviews from lots of the, some like names that are on Instagram and stuff that, so it's like, and I think that that's fantastic. And I just like, congratulations. So happy for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to see. I like that experience of like, I'm just completely like, I don't even understand Instagram. And so I love just hearing like, oh yeah, your book's all over Instagram. I'm like, no, yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> this is like, I prefer this just every like six months or so. I'll just chat with someone and they'll be like, yeah, your book's on the social media site. I'm like, no fucking way. So <laughs> yeah. we'll schedule another update. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Any other questions from the group? All right. Well, thank you so, so much. Oh, Lauren. I knew, I, I All right, I'm slow you. on the tech. I saw you. I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> um, I just want to say how much I loved this book. Um, I am a huge horror fan. I've read a lot of horror books this year. I did a 50 horror books from 50 States challenge this year. Oh, I've read oh a is lot that your, your map above you? Oh, no, but <laughs> um, I've read a lot of horror and I've seen I just love all the references that are in this book. And it screams like campy horror movie, like greatness. I just okay. love it. So much. it might be one of my top five books of the entire year. Oh, my goodness. Thank you yeah. so much. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. Yay! Like an awesome horror challenge, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> I've read a lot of horror this year. Surprising <laughs> amount of like agricultural horror and like some weird stuff. So interesting. I have so many questions I want to ask you now. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Different time. Different. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. That yeah. that means a lot to me. Well, thank you so much, Carissa, and thank you to Berkeley. Um, they actually gifted us five copies, and so we were able to do a little giveaway within our uh, the Seattle chapter, and so it was really a lot of fun times. Lauren was one of our our winners. Yeah. Uh, we really, really appreciate Woo. the the support, and we had a great time reading this book and discussing it. So thank you so much, and listeners, um, if you 
need to find us, you can always find us on Instagram at Thrillers by the Book Club Pod. Um, you can find me at Olivia Day Wallace or Chelsea, my co-host, at uh, Thriller Book Babe. So we'd love to, to chat with you. Thank you guys again so much for being here. And uh, if you need to kill some time, read a thriller. Bye. Bye.